friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Cricket Stitcher Chings. My name is Lauren Keplinger, and I am once again glad to be back here to record another episode. Today on this episode, we are going to talk about physical products, something that I feel like does not get enough uh, airspace in the current internet world. I wanted to talk about this because it's something that I feel passionately about, but I also feel like it has changed a lot over the past few years, particularly the um, pandemic years, and I think probably a lot of the supply chain issues that happened during the pandemic made it... um, more attractive to not have to carry the inventory from a physical product business. But one thing that I have noticed even through the past, like, I don't know, probably like a year, um, is that it seems to me like there is just more and more and more chatter around the internet about digital products being kind of the only way to go. Like there's this Um, idea that if you are not selling digital products, then you're just like really missing the boat and digital products are where you need to be. You hear so much these days about digital products. If you are on any social media platform that has ads on there, you have probably been inundated with ads and posts and advertising that you know, tells you that you can start your digital or printable business and make a bajillion dollars and ride off into the sunset with your passive income. And if you have listened to this podcast in the past or you're on my email list, you know that I absolutely hate the term passive income because it's stupid. There is no such thing as passive income unless you have like a trust fund, which you're probably not working if you have a trust fund. (laughs) And nothing is going to bring you consistent money um, or be completely hands off. Like anything that's going to bring you consistent money is not going to be completely passive and hands off. But that is a different episode for a different day. But today, what we're going to talk about in relation to the topic at hand is my love song (laughs) um, for physical products and the fact that there is still such a strong place in the market for physical products. Because there are so many people talking about digital products and how to t- how to sell digital products and how that's like easy street towards financial abundance, it feels like the physical product market is almost becoming a little pushed out or it's like it's like you're an old school seller if you only sell physical products rather than digital products. So it's like weird for me because I have been doing this for over 10 years now, selling physical products the whole time. I do have a digital shop too, so you know, that's there. But my main income, my main shop is my physical product shop. 
And then it feels like I'm like the grandma of online selling because I am selling physical products and really encourage the physical product market. I'm not like encouraging people to only move over to digital. Um, And that's like old school. But I just want you to think about for a second your own shopping habits and what you buy when you're wanting to treat yourself or when you're wanting to throw a party or whatever. Yeah, sure, there can be a small place for digital products in there and a place for printables or whatever. Again, I have a printable shop, so I'm not hating on that. But the vast majority of the things that we spend our money on, that we're excited to spend our money on, the products that we really love and are passionate about and are willing to invest in and treat ourselves to are physical products. So I just kind of wanted to address that because it feels weird as a product-based seller who's been doing this for so long to feel like the market is moving so heavily towards digital products and people being so encouraged to sell digital products because it is less work, although I think that that's arguable, but um, you know they don't have to carry inventory and whatever. There are benefits to having like non-inventory product, but there's this push from the seller side to like only have digital or such a push for sellers to move to digital, but then you have this whole buyer base that still wants physical products. So it's like this weird mismatch to me uh, between what sellers want to create and what buyers actually want to buy. So I think the physical product market is amazing. I don't have any plans, although I hesitate to say never because never say never, but I don't have any plans to ever get rid of my physical product shop. I enjoy the creation of it. I enjoy the repetition of the monogramming. And I just think that there is something rewarding and special and tangible about having that physical product that you're creating and you're bringing to UPS or FedEx or wherever, and it's arriving at someone's house, they're opening it, they're, you know, hanging my monogrammed baby quilt over the back of their rocking chair, and it has their child's name on it, and it's like this special part of their celebration of welcoming a new baby into their life. That is not replicable in anything other than physical products. It just doesn't have the same kind of tangible quality that you get with physical products. As kind of a second point of why I still, as a seller, think that the physical product market is a great place to be, is that the pricing of digital versus physical is different for sure. And there are definitely different profit margins there, but pretty much across the board, unless you have some like crazy unicorn digital product or you're selling software as a system or something like that, there's going to be a cap on what you can charge for like basic printables. It's always interesting to me when people talk about making your, you know, your amazing passive income from your digital products, because in my digital product shop, the average order value is $7.19. And I sell pretty specialized digital products that have a lot of value. So they're like Sunday school lessons um, for like churches or whatever. 
Now that's pretty much all profit because I don't have any expenses in that shop really. And it's really all profit for me because my business partner is the one that does the majority of that creation in creating those digital products. So I'm not even spending the time of creating the digital products, but still, it takes a lot of $7.19 sales to make a healthy income, like a lot. Contrast that with my physical shop where the average order value is $48. And even with a 50%-ish, give or take, profit margin, I'm ending up with $24 in profit. Now there's obviously a lot more that goes into creating physical products like the time and the machinery and all of that, but we're gonna talk about that in a second. Um, because it is an important aspect of creating physical products to really have a good grasp of what you're creating, but, or like what you're creating in relation to what your profit margins are. But I will take a $24 profit margin over a $7.19 profit margin any day of the week, especially when, and this is a big one, it does not take me an extraordinarily long time to create the products that I'm creating with that $24 profit margin. I have even heard people say about digital products, these are like people that are really into the digital products, say that they don't like things like POD items, which are print on demand, if you're not familiar with that term. Um, but basically it's a digital thing that you send off to a company that then prints it onto a physical thing. So you're selling the physical product because the profit margins are quote lower on them. And it's always really interesting to me with that because I'm like, a $30 profit margin on a, or a 30% profit margin on a $30 item is still a lot higher than a 100% profit margin on a two or three or $5 item. So anyway, I don't love all the chitter chatter around the internet about how everybody should be making digital or printable products because I think it's a tough market to get found in if you have pretty generic products, which a lot of them kind of are. And I think it's a lot easier to stand out in a product-based business because you're naturally putting your own spin and your own style on it. And because you are creating an actual an actual physical thing that somebody's going to buy, not just something that they could probably design, you know, if they have five minutes of, of Canva experience. All right, so let's talk about some key factors that have really been able to help me build a product-based business with personalized products. So I am not making these in a batch like you could for like soap or a candle or something like that. Each one of my quilts is individually monogrammed, personalized. So I am making every single one made to order different from the one before it. The first thing that I think that it's really important to recognize, and if you have listened to this podcast for any length of time, you have heard me talk about this, but we are gonna talk about it again because it is make or break for a product-based business. You have to be able to optimize the output of your products, the amount of products that you can create per hour to be at a sustainable level for the income that you want to bring in for your shop. Note that that's kind of ambiguous. I do not say that you need to optimize your product out per output per hour to be able to make $100 per hour. I don't think that there is a set amount of money that you should be making per hour above and beyond a reasonable wage that you could make at another job, which I would say would probably be between $20 and $30 an hour. 
I think it's heavily dependent on your product. And I also think it's heavily dependent on your goals for your shop and the time that you want to spend in your shop. If you have income goals that are not full time or not six figures or, you know, whatever, you're not really set on creating an income that is sustaining your household. You just want side hustle money to pay off debt or pay for a vacation or whatever. Um, then maybe $500 a month is fine or $1,000 a month is fine or whatever. Then what you're aiming for for your output might be different, although it might not be. You may need to make $500 a month, but you only have an hour a week to work. So there's still a, a correlation or there needs to be a relationship between how much you're making per hour and what your goals are, both in the amount of money that you want to bring in and the amount of time that you want to spend working. For people that want to create a full-time income or want to maximize the amount of income that they can bring in from their shop and their business that is time sensitive because they're creating physical products, you have got to figure out how to do this. When I have people that come to me and say, well, I don't know how to make more money because I have maxed out the amount of time that I can spend on my products, or I don't know how to make any more money because I just have really time consuming products and I can only produce X number of products per month or whatever. My answer has to be pretty blunt here. Either you figure out a way to produce more per hour or you recognize that there's an income cap on what you're going to be able to make from your shop and you're okay with that. Those really are the only two options. <laughs> and that's not me just being opinionated. That's just sort of the way it works. I can't magically make more time for you. So if you have products that are extremely time consuming and you don't want to figure out how to make them less time consuming or come up with other products that are not as time consuming, then you're stuck with products that are extremely time consuming. So what are you going to do about that? I can't make it just like work for you if, if you don't want to change anything. Neither one is the right choice, either, you know, figuring out a way to produce more per hour or recognizing that there's an income cap. Neither one is the right or wrong choice. I'm not telling you that you have to figure out how to optimize your products to make more money. That's not always the case for people. Some people don't care if they make more money. Some people are happy at the income cap that they are at right now. But if your goal is to make more money and you have products that don't allow for that because they're too time consuming, then you have to figure out a way to make them less time consuming or raise your prices or come up with some other product in your shop or some collection of products that you're creating that are not as time consuming. Or alternatively, you can figure out how to speed up the production of the products that you're making so that you can make more of them in the same amount of time. And if you don't want to do any of those, because sometimes I get people who will come to me and like really push back. They only want to do what they're already doing. They don't want to make any changes and but they want to make more money. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to make those changes. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you that you need to be making more money from your shop. I am only here to tell you that you have to be realistic about what you can produce in your shop and you can't pull hours out of thin air and you can't create time out of nothing. So if you have products that take 10 hours to make 
then you're not going to be able to make four of them per day. The math just doesn't work on that. So whatever you're selling them for is going to be capped at like less than one product per day. You can't work, you know, 30 hours a day. For me on a tangible basis, what this looks like over time is that number one, I have gotten faster doing the same thing that I was doing when I started. So just practice over time has allowed me to get faster doing what I'm doing. Secondly, I have really figured out how to batch things together to speed up the production of each individual piece. So for example, I will do all of the monogramming layouts ahead of time. I will sit and I will lay out all of the orders that I have. And then when I actually go to monogram, all of the monograms are already laid out and saved under the name of the order. And I just have to drag and drop it to each machine. A lot of times I will do a whole day of sewing where I'm only doing white quilts. So then I don't even have to look at the order to see what color quilt it is. I'm only doing white quilts. I only have to then keep up with the color of the monogram that they've selected and which order goes with which name or whatever. I've also eliminated a lot of inventory that has slowed me down, switching back and forth between things. So I don't do anything in my shop really other than the blankets and the bunnies now. I used to have a really wide variety of things, swaddle blankets, hats, outfits, towels, bibs, burp claws, all kinds of stuff. So streamlining the products that I have in my shop down to only the blankets and the bunnies has allowed me to be a lot faster because I can do them together at one time. Lastly, investing in more machinery has been really, really helpful for me to speed up the production of stuff. Earlier in the episode, I talked about having a $24 profit margin, give or take a little bit, on each individual quilt that I'm selling. If I was only able to monogram one quilt per hour, then a $24 profit margin would be kind of mediocre, very mediocre. However, these quilts only take about 15 minutes or so to monogram, especially when I have everything all done ahead of time. So like laying out the monogram and stuff. So I can do three or four quilts per hour, depending on how much I'm hustling between changing them out on the machines and everything. So that's $75 to $100 an hour roughly for those quilts. But then I also have four embroidery machines and I'm able to run them simultaneously. So now instead of $75 to $100 an hour, you're talking about three to $400 an hour doing the quilts. And all of a sudden, those profit margins and the amount of scaling that I'm able to do is really exponentially increased by the amount of machinery I have and the ability to run it simultaneously. Again, a lot of that has come with practice. You have to remember that I have been doing this for 10 years, so I definitely would not have been able to run four machines at the same time in the early days of my business. I could barely handle running one machine at one time. This is also gonna be heavily dependent on your industry. However, I will challenge you to think about what it is that you're making and how you can replicate this idea in your own industry. A lot of times I will get people who say like, well, my products just aren't like yours, so I can't do that. I didn't get into embroidery knowing that this was going to be the path that I took. I got into embroidery with one single needle embroidery machine, and I figured out how to scale it in that way while learning as I went and getting faster and better at it as I went. But I didn't specifically pick embroidery because I could scale it in this way. Um, I scaled it in this way because I was thinking about optimizing the product 
output that I was doing. I think it's possible to do in almost any industry, particularly handmade type stuff. Like vintage obviously is going to be different um, the way that you're you're accumulating products and stuff. But with handmade products, there is almost always a way to scale. But you have to think creatively about your products and where the bottleneck is in creation. Um, if the bottleneck is, let's say, the, um, I don't even know, because it's going to be different depending on what your product is, but where the bottleneck happens. So for me, with my embroidery, the bottleneck was happening at, I could get all the things prepped and ready to go on the embroidery machine faster than the machine was embroidering. So when I then added a second machine, then that sped that up. But then eventually I got used to running two machines at a time and then the bottleneck was the machine again. Um, so wherever that pause is, whatever that thing is, that is where that bottleneck is happening and that's where the production slows down, that's where you need to look first at improving your systems so that you can improve that. The next thing I wanna talk about is lowering product costs through larger purchases. One big thing that you also really have to get a handle on with product-based businesses in a way that doesn't creep up on you quite the same in a digital business is your product expenses um, and your inventory costs. There are really two pieces to having lower inventory costs. The first one is to get your tax information in order so that you can have official wholesale buying status and buy wholesale from larger companies. This is gonna be a huge difference for your inventory costs if you are currently paying retail for items. And it also can open up other avenues of sourcing materials that might be better quality or you know a little bit more unique um, if you have like raw materials that you're buying and incorporating into your products, you just have more options if you have a wholesale status and you can buy from people then who only sell to businesses with tax ID information. So that's my first recommendation is to get legit um, in that way so that you have access to things that come from having wholesale abilities. The second is to be able to buy in larger quantities from those wholesalers so that you can get those costs per piece down and you can save on the shipping that goes along with it. Personally, I buy a lot of um, inventory directly from wholesalers overseas. And if I'm planning ahead, <laughs> uh, which I don't always do well, but when I'm really on top of it and I'm planning ahead for longer lead times with shipping, I can select sea shipping rather than air shipping and it saves me even more money on the shipping costs. So like for my product costs with my quilts, I am paying about half or maybe a little bit less than half of what I would be paying buying those exact same quilts if I was buying them through like a Facebook buy-in group or something like that. Which I will just say as a side item that when I first got started selling these quilts, I started with Facebook buy-in groups that would like all buy together from an overseas wholesaler, although I didn't really realize that that was what was happening at the time. But then the middleman marks it up and you get your little share of this buy-in that you've done together. But now having the ability to grow the business and go directly to the wholesaler and cut out that middleman, I'm able to save a ton of money on those materials material costs. 
even if you're not ordering from overseas and you're ordering um, from a company in the US or wherever you are, it's going to be cheaper for you to order a large quantity at one time and pay for shipping one time rather than paying multiple times because you're ordering smaller quantities each time. Lastly, because we have talked a lot about the positives of physical products and ways to make them more profitable and have higher profit margins overall, I do want to address the elephant in the room always with physical products, and that is shipping. Shipping is expensive. It has gotten way more expensive over the past few years. It's probably going to continue to get more expensive. It's just the way that it goes, and it's unfortunate, but every physical product seller, whether they are small businesses or larger corporations, has had to deal with shipping price increases and also shipping delays and stuff. I believe that we will begin to see things shift in the way of online shopping. I think we're already seeing some shifts with online shopping and shipping costs and a lot of those costs being passed back onto the consumers rather than across the board free shipping or having higher uh, minimum orders. That's what I'm seeing on a lot of websites like um, like clothes websites and stuff is that they have higher minimum orders than they used to have. So it remains to be seen kind of where we will go from there with shipping costs and what the expectation is going to be in the coming years of how those shipping costs are handled. But I just wanted to acknowledge it because it is a challenge that requires us to deal with it and to price things appropriately to build in profit and revenue um, so that we can cover the shipping costs. And whether we're charging for shipping or we're building the shipping costs into the products or whatever, it is an expense that you have to account for. So it's something that is more challenging with physical products and it's just kind of the nature of the beast of selling physical items. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that if you have been thinking that the only way forward in creating an online business or creating an Etsy shop and selling online is through digital products or even print on demand, which I love, but it's not the only option. I hope that this is giving you a different perspective to look at, a different perspective from somebody who really just loves physical products, doesn't really ever see the industry switching towards completely digital or printable products, um, and wants to encourage other physical product owners who are creating something that is unique and special and, um, you know, your own style. It's just such a neat industry and a neat way to tap into other people's artistic creativity and their abilities. So go on with your handmade, vintage, antique supplies, etc. Know that I am right there with you creating my handmade products by myself in my basement. And I like it that way. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you want to connect on a deeper level as well as get the most up-to-date and kind of behind-the-scenes information available, make sure that you get on my email list. And the best way of doing that is to head to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash checklist, which will also get you a copy of the free eight-step Etsy SEO checklist that you can download. So head to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash checklist. Make sure you sign up for those emails and that gets you the free checklist as well as gets you all of the upcoming emails, which are 
usually weekly and give you a glimpse into the Etsy world, the world of e-commerce, what's going on in this realm and how you can apply the most up-to-date stuff to your shop and your business for best results. I will see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thank you.